Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Hey, I am Andy Mon, one of the pastors at the Valley Church, and uh, boy, is you guys look great. Uh, you know, I, I don't get to come to the Troy campus often, and yet it's just so exciting to be here. It just struck me this morning all over again how God's kingdom is supposed to work. Uh, actually, the former, the, the, the original pastor of the Valley Church is actually preaching in the Pickwick campus today, Paul Jetter. He was the founding pastor of Upper Valley Community Church. And remember, I, was, I got to be a part of that experience and meet in the Hojo Inn in the basement. Not even on the top floor, but in the basement. That's where we started. That's where you started. That's where all this started. And God has continued to bless, and here we are. And now, uh, I was just at a gathering the other day, and there were 70 people that um, were at that gathering to go to the Sydney campus, the new Sydney campus. And it just struck me as I was back there, everything that's happening in Pickwood today is happening here. And everything that's happening here is going to happen in Sydney. And that's what the kingdom is all about. And so if God is calling you, by the way, um, to go to a new campus Sydney calls. Maybe you're in that geographical area. If God nudges you, would you consider? Would you pray about that? Because, um, you know, for most of my life, I didn't understand what multiplication was really about. I thought addition was multiplication. And now I've begun to understand that when you multiply yourself, you send out. And it's hard because they're your friends. Uh, they're your, maybe your family. They're the people you've grown accustomed to. And maybe some great leaders that work next to you. And all of a sudden you send them out. And, uh, and yet then great things can happen. So it's it just great to be with you and uh, just to get to experience the valley with you. You know, um, I heard a study this, I don't know, it was this week that I heard this, that do you know that we all ingest about a plastic or about a, a credit card amount of plastic a week? Did you, did you know that? Yeah, that's a shocker, isn't it? Like that much plastic a week is because we're in a plastic-centric world now. I heard about a researcher. Uh, she went to the grocery store, and her goal was to try to buy uh, enough week's worth of groceries without any plastic. She went home with about nothing. You know, even the little spaghetti have, you know, boxes have a little window so you can see the spaghetti and this plastic and there's bags and there's clamshells. You can't really get away from plastic. And I thought I was doing really good. Uh, you know, I'm trying to, at times I do better than others. You know, I'm not drinking the plastic bottles. And so it's not, you know, getting into me. But I, I've now heard it's so pervasive that even in your tap water, you're getting plastic. And it's all over. It's kind of polluted our world. And, and you and I need maybe decontaminated from that, or otherwise we're going to be, have some serious health consequences. When I was in the Army, I learned all about decontamination. Uh, back in those days, we were worried about nerve agent. That was the thing that one little drop, you heard about it in the news, the Soviets getting the, the people in England, you know, one little drop dead. And so we were all um, preparing for that. I remember when they'd call the alarm, we'd have to put on our mask. We had seven seconds to put it on and clear it. And then we'd put on this heavy charcoal outfit. And we had these heavy rubber gloves and boots. 
And then we were supposed to try to do whatever we were doing. Like, and I had these little inserts for glasses. I had glasses and you couldn't, and they fogged up. And I mean, I'd have been dead more. I don't know how it was going to work out. But I remember after they sounded the clear, after the mission was over, we'd go to this decontamination station and, and we would have to like shower. They would wash us. So the whole thing would be cleaned off as much as they could. About, and, then, and then you would begin to peel back the layers and you'd have to do it inside out because even one drop would kill you or it would kill someone else. I remember that decontamination station. You see, we were carrying death with us if we have that nerve agent on us. And it struck me that that's what's happening in Leviticus today. Leviticus 11 to 15. We're in something called the impurity laws. That, that's what's, what's happening there. And the Israelites, because they've been living in a fallen world, there's death on them. They've been polluted. And, and they need decontaminated. Because otherwise, you can't be in God's presence. You see, the, 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 the main part or the main theme of all of Leviticus is found in Leviticus 20, 26. It says, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. And I've set you apart from the nations to be my own. And if we want to get into the presence of God, we have to be holy. That's probably not a message we hear all that often. But the reality is that God is a holy God. And if we want to get into his presence, if we want to be in his presence, we have to be holy ourselves. In fact, there's a scripture that says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That used to scare me to death. <laughs> Does it scare you to death? Like, I can never be that holy. I can never be that perfect. You're right. You can't. But God gives us a way to be clean before him. That's what Leviticus 11 to 15 is all about. It says, you must keep the Israelites clean. You must keep the Israelites separate from things that make them unclean, says God, so that they will not die in their uncleanness for defi defiling my dwelling place, which is among them. And so God says we have to be clean to be in his presence. And so in his amazing grace, he gives a system. Now, this is the Old Testament, right? In an old covenant, in an old system, he, he gives a system so that people can be pure, so that they can be clean and enter into the presence of God. Now, because there's impurities in the world. What's amazing to me is when I look at 11 to 15, it's, it, 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 and I've done... I've read Leviticus before. Anybody else here? And you just sort of did a drive-by. You never really understood it. You just sort of, you know, hey, if I'm going to read the whole Bible, I've got to read Leviticus. So you worked through, but you never really understood it. I've really kind of been digging in this time round at a, at a greater level and understood things and saw things that I've never seen before. And if you dismiss Leviticus 11 to 15, if you dismiss the book of Leviticus, you don't have the foundation to understand the New Testament the way we ought to. It's, it's amazing how it builds and begins to reveal that the things that are unclean that, in, in, that the Israelites were facing weren't necessarily sin. That's what's always messed me up. I thought it meant sin. It can mean sin. It can mean moral impurity. But in this case, it was ritual impurity that that was polluting them, almost like that credit card worth of plastic. And so 
God in his grace give them a way to get rid of the pollution in their life. Now, what's, let's just talk about um, some of the pollutions that, were, that they had to ritually be cleansed from. The first is animals, land animals, water animals, uh, animals in the air. God tells the Israelites this. He says, you may eat any animal that has divided the hoof and choose the cud. But if they only do one or the other, you can't eat them. And it really, it seems kind of arbitrary, doesn't it? How, and, and you think, does that mean all the other animals are bad? Like there's only a few animals that are good and all the other ones are, are bad. We ought to just shoot them on sight. No. You see, in Genesis, God said everything he made was good. So just because they aren't clean in a ritual sense doesn't mean they're bad. It just means they're out of bounds. And we're going to understand why here in just a moment. In Leviticus 12, we see that, that there are instructions about the flow of blood for women during menstruation or during childbirth, and how long women must be set apart from the community if there's any kind of a flow of, of blood. And this is where it gets really kind of strange for all of us, and we think, did, did we really have to put that in the Bible, God? I mean, do we really need to, it's kind of like, you know, I've heard a lot of stories about men, their, their wives are going to have a baby and they go into the living room and then the nurse has to take care of them because they, once they see the blood, they hear the, and it's just too much for them. This is almost like one of those kind of passages. Listen to this. It says, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, a woman who becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her monthly period. On the eighth day, the boy is to be circumcised. Then the woman must wait 33 days to be purified from her bleeding. She must not touch anything sacred or go uh, to the sanctuary until the days of her purification are over. Kind of uncomfortable when we listen to all that. And then we go to Leviticus 15, and it talks about male discharge, sexual discharges. If semen is spilled for any reason, it's considered unclean, just like if, if a woman has a flow of blood, it's considered unclean. Why? If we go down the next few chapters, we see that if you eat impure animals, if you have contact with any reproductive body fluids, if you have a wasting skin disease, if you touch a dead body, if you come into contact with mold or with fungus, all these things could make you ritually unclean and you can't go into the presence of God. Why? What's that all about? What's the deeper thing? Because this is, you know, in these four chapters, that certainly can't cover everything that's sort of unclean. Well, these are the symbolic things that God wants us to know point to a greater principle. And you know what that is? God is the author of life. God is the one who creates life. That's his very essence. And these things all point to death. They're associated with death. See, in the Bible and in Scripture, in the Jewish way of life, blood symbolized life. And so any loss of blood, any spilling of blood symbolized death. So whenever blood is spilled, God calls it unclean. Whenever semen is spilled, he calls it unclean because it devalues or spills life. And so it's associated with death. Death is the opposite of God's holiness because his essence is life. And so as we walk through this world, we're polluted with death. 
with ideas, with thoughts, with, with, with decisions that we make, and we become polluted. And when we do, we can't come into the presence of a perfect and holy God. And it used to scare me thinking, well, I'll never get into his presence. We wouldn't unless God hadn't been gracious to us. See, God is gracious and he wants you to be holy. He wants to clean you so that you can come into the very presence of God. I want us to understand the ritual, the, the, the ritual unclean things weren't sinful. What was really sinful was coming into God's presence, knowing you had those pollution on you. And, and you may be forgiven of the sins that you've committed in your life, but you first have to come to God and ask him to clean you, to take those things away from you so that you can go into the presence of God. You cannot clean up yourself. You cannot make yourself holy. Neither could the Israelites. There was nothing they could do to clean themselves up from these ritual impurities so that they could come into the presence of God, so they could come into the courtyard of the tabernacle and offer sacrifice and be in fellowship with the other believers and with God himself. There's a huge implication in all this. I, I think that's so powerful. I think God is sending a message in the book of Leviticus that all life all life is sacred. All life is sacred. And that anything that harms life is the opposite of who he is. That's why I think we have to protect life at all costs. No matter if it inconveniences us, if it costs us, all peoples, all races, all nations, the vulnerable, and yes, I believe the unborn, that God has called us to protect all those lives because they're sacred. See, he is life. And it's not about politics or party. It's, it's about God's word. It's the filter for how we see everything. And as the people of God, if we will allow his word to be our filter, instead of all the things around us, we can be a voice in the darkness. So what does God do that these Israelites, they're in this, this place of impurity. What does God do if they find themselves ritually impure? Well, in his immense grace, he cleanses them. They go through a three-step process. First, they, they, they wash their clothes and then the, so they can put them back on. So the first step is they wash their clothes. Then they bathe themselves. And then they have to wait for a period of time. Sometimes it's till the evening. Sometimes it's seven days. You'll see that in. And then what do they do? They go present themselves to the priests. And he will certify that they are no longer unclean. You'll notice that in the New Testament, whenever there's a miracle, sometimes Jesus will send them to the priest. And you're like, well, why do you do that? Because that's part of this, this um, cleansing process that God provides for people. And so the diseased person in that place, the one that was richly impure, now can come into the presence of, of the other believers. He, they're allowed back in community. Before then, they can't come in the community. They're supposed to stay outside the camp. When they go around other people, let's say you come to church and you can't, actually come into church. And, and so if you're richly impure, if you're like, you would have to shout unclean, unclean so that no other people would come into your, like you can't bring death, that pollution into the presence of other, other people of God. That, that's your whole life. That's, that's where you're at until you're cleansed. And the repeated use of this system helps people see that God values life that he loves life and that he wants you to experience life. He's given you a system. 
Now you say, well, why don't we do that stuff today? If that was so important then, and, and there was a system to get rid of ritual impurity, why don't we do that today? We don't do that today because when Jesus died on the cross, he obsoleted that system and created a whole new one. He fulfilled that system of purification. What's amazing to me is when Jesus died on that cross, there were two thieves on either side, and they came and they saw that they, were, they, they weren't sure totally that they were dead, and you can't do a crucifixion and not end up dead. Like 100% of people are dead. So one of the things they do is they break the legs. So they broke the legs of the two thieves. They go to Jesus, and they're like, eh, he's dead. And so they thrust a spear in his side, and what happens? But water and blood come out of his side. Water and blood. I always wondered about that. The water was that ritual impurity. It was to cleanse the ritual impurity. It was to cleanse the people. It was to satisfy the obligations of the old covenant. And at the same time, while he's doing that, he's making it obsolete. And then he sheds his blood for you and for me to pay the price of our sin, to pay the cost of our sin. And he does that for you and me. My favorite miracle in all the Bibles in Mark chapter 5, it really, I think, pulls this all together. It's the New Testament version of what's happened in Leviticus. There's this unnamed woman, and she's been bleeding for 12 long years. Now, just think about this. She's bleeding, so she's every seven days hoping the priest is going to clear. She never gets cleared. Just thinking, you know, you, you've been, maybe you had COVID and you thought, well, I got to wait so many days and I got to wait so many more days. And like, when am I going to get back in the flow? And it just seems like it keeps getting punting down the road. That's what's happening for her. But she's got to shout when she's going, unclean, unclean. She's outside the believer. She can't even go and worship. I mean, that's outside. And that's feeling like maybe there's no hope. 12 long years. She spent all she had to try to get help. And nothing's ever happened. And then she, she hears about and she sees, I think she probably experienced Jesus. Maybe she was at the feeding of the 5,000. Maybe she saw Lazarus get raised. I don't know all the miracle, but she, she saw enough evidence to begin to believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And so she does something she's not supposed to do. She comes up. And she gets in the crowd, and there's a big crowd. Nobody really knows what's going on. You know, they're all milling around. Nobody's going to... And she touches the hem of his garment, the edge of his cloak. There's a picture of this in my office. Favorite miracle. She touches the edge of his cloak, and she's healed in that very moment. She says she, her, her body felt like it had been released from her suffering. Jesus knew healing power had gone out. And so he immediately asked, who touched me? The disciples ri almost ridiculed Jesus. What do you mean? Who touched you? Come on, Jesus. There's hundreds here. There's no way you're going to figure that out. And he asks anyway. And, and, and so finally she fesses up, which has got to be hard because she's not even supposed to be there. She, she, she's not supposed to be in the crowd. She's supposed to be outside. She's supposed to be yelling unclean, particularly with a rabbi. You know, I mean, it's just teacher. And yet healing power goes out and her body's restored. Her, her condition is healed. But beyond that, she becomes ritually clean. And what does Jesus do? But in every one of these cases, he always sends them to the priest and they would verify that she was now clean, which meant she could come in to the courtyard of the tabernacle and offer a sacrifice so that she could be forgiven.
she, could, she was now allowed into the presence of God. I think this woman is unnamed because you and I are that woman. We are that person. As we go through this world, we pick up a lot of contamination. We pick up a lot of sin. Sometimes it's just our attitudes and our view of life and how valuable it is. Maybe it's we've, we don't understand how God has called life sacred. Maybe it's the way we understand who God is and and who we are, and we don't see him as the holy God, as, as, as separate from us in some sense, as great. Even though he's our, he's our father, even though he's Abba, we see him more as a buddy than we do as a, as a, as a, as a great and mighty God who deserves our praise and our, our reverence. And sometimes, maybe it, it's beyond the ritual things, it's beyond just the pollution of living in this world and how it clouds our thinking getting into everything. But maybe then there's also those things we do that are sin. Moral impurity. You know, we make decisions. We knew better and we did it anyway. That was back to Leviticus 1 through 7. All those sacrifices. It was an intentional sin or we knew better and we did it anyway. And and that moral impurity can keep us from God as well. And we need, we need a God to come in and make us whole. Remember there was a time in my life where I just... I just came to the realization that I wasn't who God wanted me to be. And I just wanted him, I just wanted to shower. That's what this cleansing is all about. Are you that person today that says, you know, I just, I know I'm not where God wants me to be. I know that, that as I've gone through, maybe my thinking has been clouded. I've made some choices or decisions and I just want to be right with God and I can't do it. He says, just reach out and touch the edge of my cloak. Trust in me, the one who died on the cross to pour out water and blood for you so that you would not only be forgiven, but you would be cleansed. You would be made a new creation. That's what God wants to do in your life today. Who here needs to touch the edge of his cloak today and allow his healing power to come out You see, you can't be good enough. You can't do enough. And I hope you'll do. And I hope you'll strive to be more like Christ. Hope you'll read scripture and and do the work, the daily disciplines of growing closer to him. But all those things will bring you into the presence of God. The only thing that brings us into the presence of God is saying, I trust in you and I need you to cleanse me. Would you remove all those impurities? Would you decontaminate me from the from the wrong thinking and the sin of this world so that I can come into your presence. Because all sin is death. It says, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so we can't come into the presence of God, not even one. Not even one. And so we need him to cleanse us, to wash us, so we can come into his presence and be with him for eternity. And so don't let that verse scare you. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Without forgiveness... Without his cleansing, no one will see God, but it's available. All you have to do is is trust on the evidence that he's given you, examine it, and then trust and touch the edge of his cloak and say, Jesus, I believe that you can wash me. I believe that you can cleanse me. I believe that I can come into your very presence. See, God in his great graciousness, he made you for relationship. 
and he wants you to be in his presence. And so he's made a way. He made a way in the Old Testament and he's made a way on the cross in the New Testament. A a far greater promise instead of waiting seven days and instead of having to do this and do that, God made it possible for you to trust in a moment in time right where you're at and be cleansed of everything in your life and be available for the presence of God. I want to give you a few ways to apply today's message, to put it into practice. When the rubber meets the road, what do we do with all this? Number one, realize we can't experience closeness with God if we aren't holy. I just think this is so critical as we look at the, the, the book of Leviticus. I think one of the main messages, again, is in, in Leviticus 20, 26. It's like if there was one verse that wraps up the whole book of Leviticus, that, that is the foundation for it. You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and have set you apart from the nations to be my own. And, and God wants us to understand that he is a holy God and we cannot bring death into his presence, but he's made a way for us to be in his presence. And we don't approach God the way we think we should. We approach God the way he says we should. And he's given us a way for us to approach him. And sometimes we want to redefine who God is and we want to, we want to approach him on our terms. And God says, no, I'm a holy God. And I need you to approach me the way that I've defined for you touch the edge of his cloak. That's how he's defined it, that you would be restored. And then wash your life daily. You see, once we've come to know Jesus, how do we stay clean? Wash your life daily. And how do we do that? The Bible says this, Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing with water through the word. See, as you read God's word is living and active. And, and what's amazing that as, as, you, as you read it, God is cleansing you at the same time. I don't understand how it works. It's not like it's a bar of soap. And yet, when you, when you put it into practice, I'm amazed at how, how God transforms me. He transforms my thinking. He transforms my attitudes. He transforms my, my spirit as I read his word. And he wants to wash us through the word because it's a, it, it's a part of who he is. You engage in the cleansing action of Jesus when you're reading his word. And so I want to challenge you to read, to read, to, to pick up, to pick a chapter in the Bible, whether it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, whatever it is, and read the whole thing. I always challenge people to read a chapter a day. If you want to read more, great. But at a minimum, read a chapter a day and say, God, what are you trying to say to the people then, and what do you want to say to me now? And decide beforehand you're going to do whatever he tells you to do. It, it will transform your life. You, he will keep you clean that way. I don't want to challenge you to live by the law in your heart in our world because there's pollution all around. There's death, there's wrong ways of thinking, but then there's also sin, and there, there are options to make wrong decisions. And when we read God's word, he writes his law on our heart. And he says this, he says, this is the covenant I will establish with my people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And if you will, as you, as you go down this journey, if you will allow God's spirit 
his word to fill you, both your mind and your heart. I'll tell you that you won't go into the places that you shouldn't go. It will decontaminate your spirit of wrong thinking and wrong attitude, and it will keep you pure. John Wesley, who was the, um, he was really the founder of Methodism, which became the Methodist Church, and, and is a spiritual founder, theologian, uh, that really the, 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 the Nazarene Church came out of, of which we're part of that tribe. He, he asked his mom, this is, you know, back in the 1700s or whatever, he asked his mom, he said, hey, what kind of, how do I determine what kind of pleasures are okay and which ones are polluting? And, and this is the rule she gave him. And it wasn't like Leviticus where, you know, if you read through that, you can get a little tired of all the rules. You can get tired of the like, do I really, you know, that, that seems pretty like regimented. That she gave him one rule. She said this, she says, whatever weakens your reason, whatever increases the authority of your body over your mind, whatever impairs the tenderness of your conscience, whatever takes away your relish for spiritual things, whatever obscures your sense of God, that is sin to you, no matter how innocent it may seem in itself. What a great rule for our lives. Anything that moves us away from the holiness of God dims our view of who he is. Make that sin. Make that sin. See, God actively will forgive you if you've allowed your life to be polluted. But what he really wants for you is to live a life that doesn't pollute in the first place. And he's given you every ability to do that through his word, through writing his law in your heart. And that, yes, we sang today about the gift of the Holy Spirit. I, I used to not understand who he was. But he has given us God himself, the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is in our hearts. And as we walk this life, he's given us the ability to stay clean because his presence is in us. We don't have to go into the presence of God. The presence of God is in us. Let's not pollute him. Let's not pollute him. As we close, close the service today, the challenge for all of us, I think, is is to make the decision that we want to be clean, that we are okay with God being holy. It doesn't matter if we're okay with it. He is. But that we would allow ourselves to be made holy, not in our own strength. We can't do it. But in his strength, to be clean before him. And maybe there's a pattern in your life. Maybe there's a, there's a, a kind of a pollution. Maybe, maybe you've bought into things that allow death in your own life, or maybe you've Maybe you've got the pollution in your family. Maybe it's just through no fault of your own, or maybe it's, it is your fault. And, and I just want to challenge you today. If you just close your eyes right now and bow your heads, I, I want to challenge you to reach out and touch the edge of his cloak. Jesus is here today, and he wants to make you holy. He, he wants to heal you. He, he wants his healing power to go out into your life, do you heal the hurt in your marriage? To heal the, the hurt that came when you were a child. And, it's, and you've struggled ever since for approval. Maybe it's um, the hurt that you've caused yourself because you've allowed sinful things in. And now you're, you're feeling the guilt and the shame that comes from that. And God says, come into my presence. Touch the edge of my cloak, Jesus says. And I will pour water over you and make you a new creation. I will cleanse you of all impurity. 
And then my blood will come over you and I will pay the price of your sin, my life for yours, my blood for yours. That's what I want to do. See, God created you for relationship. That's the whole reason. And you're separate with sin and pollution. But that's, that's why he, in his grace, died on the cross so that you and I could be in his presence for all eternity. We can't do it on our own. But aren't we so, gr- oh, Father, we are so grateful that you are a holy God, that when we go into your presence in heaven, there won't be one ounce of sin. There won't be one ounce of wrong. There won't be one ounce of corruption. You will have cleansed it all. And the only, the only people that will be in heaven are those that you have made holy without any pollution at all, no grains of plastic, no nerve agent, no sin, no death, no pain. The old order of things will be gone. If you're here this morning, touch the edge of his cloak. Trust him. And then begin to read his word and let him cleanse you daily so that you can serve him and you can live a holy life here, not just in heaven. Jesus, we thank you that you that you died for us. We thank you for the gift you've given us to make us new, to set us apart, and to make us holy. We love you, and we thank you that you love us. We just love that you are a holy God, that you are perfect, and we want to come into your presence. And we ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, if you made a decision if you've decided, you know, I want to be in the presence of a holy God, and, and I've decided to touch the edge of his cloak, let us know. We want to do that journey with you. You know, it's just so good to be here at the, at the Valley Troy. I just want to tell you what a joy it is to see all of you in your lives and how, just to see how God is using you in, in the communities in this area. It's just so exciting to, to see that and uh, just love what you guys are doing. And I just want to tell you what a great job um, you guys are doing. It, it just, I hear stories all the time and uh, about the impact you're making in people's lives, the impact you're making in the communities, and how you're making this a better place. But more than that, just how you become a light in this dark world. And uh, you're bringing life in a place where there's death. And that's what God is all about. That's his very essence. Keep up the good work. And uh, hey, if you're called to Sydney, head on over. It's going to be a great thing there as well. God bless you. Go and have a great week. As always, friends, it is incredible to be able to worship with you. As we continue to look at the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, we're going to see the power of Jesus Christ in the New Covenant or the New Testament. That is the power, actually, of being able to read both. And that's what I've loved about our current series, is to be able to look at what seemingly looks old and out of date and see how Jesus' redemptive power came and made all things new. Friends, it is great to be able to worship with you. If we can pray for you, Unleash heaven to earth for you today or throughout the week. You can simply comment right now in the comments your prayer request or simply go ahead and put your name in the comments and let us know that you need prayer and our hosts will pray along with you in a private chat. You can also text the word prayer to 937-358-3500. 
888-646-6565. And our prayer team will be praying for you throughout the week. And don't forget to share your praise reports too. We love at the life of the church and at the valley to celebrate with you how you've seen God moving or working in your life. It is a wonderful testimony to spurn on all of our faith to keep praying for one another and for the needs in our own lives. If you've been calling the Valley uh, Church your home for a while, we'd love to be able to connect with you. Fall will be here before you know it. I know I said it. And our life groups will be kicking off. And so with life groups comes an opportunity for you to connect with a smaller group of people. You probably heard Pastor Mark share about Alpha, which is a great way to have all the questions you've ever wondered about the Word of God answered. About God, creation, the Bible, Christianity, church. It's a wonderful, safe place to learn and grow from one another. We're also going to have all kinds of life groups for whatever season you're in. And that's coming. So if that's something you're interested, maybe that's your next step today. You can text GROUP to 937 358-6565. As always, make sure that you like the Valley Troy page here on Facebook so that you can uh, you can get all the notifications of when we go live and the things that we're doing. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. That keeps you also up to date when we're putting new information on YouTube, new videos on YouTube for learning and growing. Share posts like this one and others throughout the week to encourage those in your circle of influence. And remember, changed lives really do change other lives. So let's share our testimonies of what God is doing, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Have a good one.
joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.